Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we're going to talk about a new technique that is often seen as a way to develop the jawline. In aesthetic aging, the jawline is an area of the face that really can um, help make a, a person look more youthful. We have Dr. Stephen F. Weiner of the clinic in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, who's going to talk about his specialized technique that we call the rejuvenation and in our show today. So Dr. Weiner, welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Angela. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I'd, I'd love to talk about rejuvenation. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, before we get going, I know our listeners, you know, would really like to learn kind of more about you and um, your your practice there in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. So um, I'm a Johns Hopkins trained uh, head and neck and facial plastic surgeon, and I was on staff there for a couple years and then uh, went into the private world into Georgia. And there I practiced all types of uh, head and neck uh, procedures, but then... uh, including facial plastics, but then approximately 15 years ago, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw that uh, the public wanted less downtime, uh, less invasive procedures, uh, so they wouldn't have to take off work, wouldn't have the bruising and, and all that. And and it was right around the time when uh, Botox was uh, approved and uh, Restylane was approved, uh, the filler and and uh, so about 15 years ago, I started what I call the Aesthetic Clinique in the Panhandle of Florida, Santa Rosa Beach. And uh, I laid down my scalpel, uh, stopped doing surgery, and concentrated all my efforts in doing uh, minimal and non-invasive uh, cosmetic procedures, non-surgical procedures. And so I've become quite an expert at uh, filler techniques and uh, and lasers. Uh, right now, uh, my... Lasers are being uh, performed by a PA, so actually my time at the office is spent uh, almost entirely doing uh, injections. Um, I travel, and yes, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 continue. Yeah, I travel uh, a lot uh, throughout the world to uh, lecture as well as uh, throughout the U.S. uh, to do a lot of training, hands-on trainings. Um, and I'm one of the biggest trainers for the Galderma company, which is the Restylane family of fillers. Go on now. Yeah, you know, Dr. Weiner, I find it quite, you know, really quite fascinating that, you know, when we, we look in our aesthetic industry now and we get, you know, the statistics every year of procedures and what procedures are most popular, um, you know, and the, there's been just such a massive increase in, in um, you know, people looking for, non-surgical, non-invasive, you know, fillers, injectables, and and you really were quite a pioneer to actually have have seen the future of aesthetics, you know, 15 years ago. Um, I I find that brilliant that you did that and obviously saw that the the need of the the patients of the future with that type of approach now. so, you know, let me, so was it 15 years ago when um, you began the clinic? Yes, yes. I, I mean, we can do procedures now where we had to uh, put people under anesthesia and, and put in implants or something. We could do in less than five minutes with fillers. It's it's ridiculous um, what the changes have occurred in the past 15 years, and I'm really excited to uh, wonder what's going to happen in the next five to ten years. Uh, I'm I'm at least helping some companies with that. Well, you know, let's let's talk about you know you know this this procedure that you obviously have become you're an expert in fillers and of the face in completion. But let's just for a few minutes talk about the jawline, because I I do feel like you said that is an area where in the past. You know, it was a facial implant or a series of facial implants that would get jawline definition, and um, and now you say you can do that with fillers. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yes. So um, I've um, coined the term rejuvenation, and I'm the rejuvenator, and uh, our patients get rejuvenated. 
And what it involves in, uh, well, let's just first go back a, a step. Um, as the jawline ages, you get jowling, it becomes more irregular, it's not quite as firm, and the eye immediately picks that up uh, as a sign of aging. And, um, and so there's, there's actually two parts to this rejuvenation. There's the enhancement aspect, and that's for your younger patients who really don't have the signs of aging, but just want a more distinctive jawline, which is a thing of beauty. Take a look at all the runway models and uh, models in advertisements and so forth. They all have very strong jawlines. Look at the uh, athletes, uh, the most uh, uh, attractive men in the world also have very strong jawlines. They're not jolly. So um, I recognize that this was a uh, area that needed addressing, and in fact, actually in men, it's probably the single most uh, important aspect of a man's uh, profile is his jawline. Whereas in females, uh, cheeks, lips, and jawline uh, would be probably third. Um, so what the procedure involves, it's actually quite simple. After studying the aging process of the jaw, I've come to a conclusion that the, the main aspect of uh, the aging process is uh, due to gravity in the jaw, uh, jaw area, but also due to bony resorption, which hasn't been recognized in, uh, in, in uh, correction before. So what you need to do is you actually need to correct the bony loss using fillers, and that actually improves the jowls as well or kind of camouflages it. So it's a simple technique where I enter with a cannula, which is a, uh, it's kind of large. It's one and a half inches, two inches long, but it has uh, no sharp point on the end. It's not a needle. It's called a blunt cannula. So it's extremely safe and actually very comfortable. Our patients consider this one of the more comfortable procedures they undergo. And I enter in the jowl, and then I uh, proceed uh, posteriorly, which means backward towards the uh, ear, underneath the jawline, and I start injecting filler in that area. And I, I use uh, various uh, different types of filler. Some of the fillers are hyaluronic acid fillers, such as uh, Restylane Define and Restylane Lift. And those are great because uh, they're temporary and reversible. So if a patient has any apprehension about the procedure, it can all be dissolved with something called hyaluronidase or Hylinex. Other uh, fillers I use in this area are Radius, which is uh, uh, more long-term, probably anywhere from uh, 9 to 18 months, whereas the HA fillers are around 9 to 12 months. And uh, I also use Bellafill, which is actually a rather permanent filler. It's, uh, those last two create a collagen response from the body, which makes its uh, duration a lot longer. So once I complete the correction in the posterior, the back aspect of the jaw, I turn the cannula around and also correct what we call the pregial sulcus, which is the area of volume loss that's uh, closer to the chin, and I put a little filler there, and oftentimes the aging process involves the chin as well, and I also put some filler into the chin. What ends up happening is I probably put anywhere from uh, one to two, sometimes a little bit uh, more in each side of the jawline to correct the aging jaw, and at that point, I stop, and then I have the patient return in approximately uh, four to six weeks, and if there's need for any further correction, I do it at that time. So You don't want to isolate the jaw alone. Uh, sometimes uh, cheek filler is also used, and sometimes filler in the preauricular area, which is the area in front of the ear, is also done because this seems to pull things back from the middle aspect of the face, particularly the marionette areas, and it also helps uh, improve the jowling as well. So it, there's really hardly any downtime with this procedure. Uh, patients uh, are able to go to dinner, uh, go to lunch. I recommend not working out for the next 24 hours, but 
at most, these patients have a little bit of soreness and sometimes a little bit of bruising. You know, that's, it's quite that's totally fascinating when you say, because I think, you know, everything that we read about is always about, you know, the fillers being in, injected, and, and, and generally it's more um, to define the soft tissue. Whereas, you know, what you're saying now, you're, you're, it's almost like a combined approach where you're able to actually enhance the, the foundation of the jawline in the bony harder tissue with a particular product and then continue to fill and expand, if you will, with the soft tissue. Um, you know, I think that is, is a really beautiful approach to jawline aging. That, um, that's it's, exactly it's, right. Um, yeah. The... Um, the the fillers that I use have something what's called a, a high G prime, and G prime is a uh, a measurement of the filler's ability to uh, lift other tissue. So you need to use uh, a, a very thick type of filler in in the correction of the jawline, um, not ones that spread out uh, and are kind of pillowy. There is actually, and I'm helping um, some of the companies develop some even firmer products that more emulate bone than the current products. And I'll be heading to Sweden to the Galderma uh, headquarters to talk about that in the near future. But yes, um, aging is a process, particularly in the face, that occurs in both or, or, or in the following uh in, in the bone, and particularly the fat pads, muscle, as well as skin. The skin becomes a little bit uh, thinner uh, and crepey. And, uh, in fact, um, the decision on what type of filler is based upon uh, some of the soft tissue characteristics. And if the soft tissue in the jawline is rather thin, then you don't want a too structured a product underneath that or it will be visible. So uh, on those patients, I prefer to use Restylane Define, which seems to integrate with the tissues well and not become as apparent as maybe some of the other products I discussed earlier. I think what, what must be so um kind of inspiring to you is, you know, when you, you said, like, you know, you've made this shift 15 years ago to, you know, continue with this, you know, future of fillers and to see now the options available to you as a physician in terms of the many different products that have been developed over the last 15 years that take all of these um, challenges, if you will, into consideration, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think in the past it was kind of one filler fits all, whereas now you're saying, you know, you perhaps have a filler that is more appropriate for a younger patient, where in an older patient with a thinner tissue, there is a product now that is kind of specifically for that level of aging um, to really turn the clock back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as um, as we find out more about um the different fillers and uh, there's a lot of research being done about fillers and, and uh, it might be uh, common for me to use two or three different types of fillers in the same patient, depending on the level of injection, meaning deep or superficial, the area that I'm correcting um, and um, the need for lifting or the age of the patient. What's really interesting is approximately, I think about two years ago, we had the uh, FDA approval of both Restylane, Refine, and Define. And those products are very unique in that they are uh, made with something called expression technology. And what that means is they have the ability to stretch and contract. So they're perfect for areas of animation, particularly of the perioral area around the mouth, nasolabial, the, the lines, the smile lines, chin area, marionette area. So when you're moving, um, the fillers seem to move with you. And actually, um, I think it's approximately 80% said they looked uh, as natural, even more natural, once these fillers were placed around the mouth area. There's actually one study 
um, which is very interesting by uh, Noel Solish um, from Toronto. And he placed uh, between three and four uh, syringes of Restylane Refine and Define in uh, patients that were average age in their mid-50s. And he compared the befores and after uh, muscle strains of these patients. And he said it was a machine that was uh, as large as an exam room to uh, determine the uh, muscle strain on these uh, muscles around the mouth. And then he took a control group of patients in their, 30, in their mid-30s. So he tested the muscle strain of those. So what he found, which was very interesting, is that when, after you injected the patients that were in their 55, which had significant more muscle strain around their mouth uh, before the filler, that their muscle strain equaled that of a 35-year-old after all the filler was placed. So it, it actually, what I feel, it, it supports and almost puts like a governor on the hypermobile muscles around the mouth, nasolabial folds and marionette area, chin area, and makes it more youthful. So, so that's, that's a really encouraging sign that we're, the fillers are actually making people more youthful uh, 20 years around their mouth and uh, chin area. Yeah, and like you say, I mean, it really is. I mean, the mouth, obviously, we use it all the time to talk, and the animation and the continued movement um, would wear down tissue. Um, and then you mentioned these fillers tend to last anywhere from six to nine months to two years. Is that is, Would that be a, a good indication? Um, when I'm putting uh, these type of fillers around the mouth, when you have a lot of movement, they tend to not last quite as long as the areas where there's not a lot of movement. So when I'm putting refine and define in this area, I I tell patients about nine months. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. And then um, the typical patient, you know, I mean, now obviously you've been doing this for, for quite some time. Are you seeing there's more millennials coming for these types of treatments or is there a particular age group? You know, what are you seeing in your practice? Um, it's really interesting. Um, the the one thing that drives a lot of millennials is Instagram. And Instagram, you know, shows a lot of these patients befores and afters. And what's interesting is some of befores and afters in certain areas, for instance, the cheeks or tear troughs, they're sometimes hard to see the differences on pictures. And sometimes you can attribute that to lighting and so forth. But there's no doubt about the changes that you see along the jawline. They're extremely apparent. And uh, so, so we get a lot of uh, millennials seeing these befores and afters from Instagram. And they would just want the, – the, they really don't have the aging process, but they want to be more attractive and they want to really pop in their jawline, particularly men. So we have the millennials doing that. But then we have these patients. I have a, actually a billboard uh, along uh, the main highway here that says rejuvenated in 10 minutes. So that catches the eye of some of our older patients who don't want to have surgery, and that seems to be a, an increasing desire. And they want to come in and in 5 to 10 minutes have some filler, leave, and they're okay with coming back every six nine months and getting a little top off. But if you actually have some other types of fillers, you, uh, you, you don't need it that frequently. So so we have a, a wide variety. Obviously, the people who aren't candidates for this are patients who have a significant fat component there. And you, you're not going to get a real defined jaw when there's a lot of fat there. They need liposuction and or surgery. But the patients who are rather thin and have the signs of aging, um, there's one scale that Mertz developed, that's the makers of Radius, and they made it uh, from zero to four, with four being the worst type of jawline with a lot of jowling. And I found in my study of 38 patients that the most extreme cases, the fours, require um, too much filler to actually be beneficial, and, and they're, they're the least uh, happy with their corrections. The sweet spot is the twos and the threes. Uh, those are the ones that have a significant change, and they're the most happy. 
And those tend to be patients uh, in uh, their late 40s to early 60s. Okay, that, I mean that makes sense, and I and I do think you yeah. know for many many females, especially, I think are, are more aware of the jowling and the changes along the jawline that show aging. Whereas you say with the men, you know, it's more of a a definition that they want the the strong jawline. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes. For men, it's all about angles. Okay, you um, if you take a a line uh, from the uh, side of the face and you uh, along the jaw and you go uh, towards the uh, temple area sometimes that almost is perpendicular to the ground it's almost uh, and and that's very attractive to, for men to be kind of almost boxy women on the other hand they they want an oval v-shaped face not quite as boxy uh, but but the wider the jawline the better for uh, attractiveness in males. Actually, it, it, it's interesting. There was a study um, that showed uh, they went through the Fortune 500, so the, the top 500 companies in uh, the U.S. on the U.S. stock exchange, and they looked at pictures of the CEOs, and they found that 95% of the CEOs had strong jaw lines, and so. Jaw, strong jaw lines are associated with confidence, uh, with honesty, and uh, with power. Um, and in addition, a strong jaw line in a male is associated with high testosterone. So they become uh, more attractive to females uh, innately because they become uh, better mates. Uh, on a secondary note, Males with very strong jawlines also have more infidelity. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's all, it's quite fascinating, isn't it, the whole psychology of what we see in each other, <laughs> you know, and how, like you said, certain angles. I mean, it's the man who looks masculine. And you even think about when you watch a lot of, like, the Disney shows and um you know, different cartoons and, you know, Beauty and the Beast, for instance, you know what I mean? It's like those types of jawlines are always huge in in the male yes. hero, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's and artists have recognized that. I, I also want to point out, I, this thought came to me too, is that when you're thinking about jawlines, you, you also always have to include chins. Okay, and because the chin is an important structure along the jawline. So in an aging chin, particularly in females, it widens and it actually shrinks. So it goes backward and widens. And so that contributes to the more boxy, um, or they call it inverted triangle of aging. And so what you can do for a widened, smaller chin is actually... Uh, put in filler into the midline in these uh, females and you give the illusion that the chin is actually or the lower face is actually thinner uh, by just pointing the chin a little bit more. Now, in males, the more attractive male is actually a, a wider prominent chin. So it's a little bit different. There's a lot of differences between males and females. So uh, to enhance a male, you actually want to widen the chin. But um, so what happens between males and females, uh, or what, what separates males and females, the differences in the jaw? So the, the angle of the jaw, which is the, um, the angle between the, the uh, ascending ramus, which is the uh, uh, portion that goes up towards the ear, and then the one that goes along the jawline, the angle is much steeper in a male than it is in a female. Um, the, uh, so, and, and the um, area where the angle is is much lower in a male than a female. So, so that upper portion of the jaw is much more prominent in the male versus the female. So, so there's a couple subtleties that an injection artist has to perform so he doesn't make a female jaw on a male and vice versa. Now, you had mentioned earlier, you know, about the kind of the duration and the length of, of, of the time that the, the, the products last and, and, you know, continue to 
give the definition that the patient wants. Um, and then you said they, you know, then they may come up, come in, you know, six to nine months later for a touch-up. Um, when they come in that second time around, is it required like the same quantity or amount of filler to be injected, or do you find that some of, you know, from the first treatment, some of that holds in place and maybe you don't need quite as much the second time around? Or how does that work? Yes. Um, you normally don't need as much in your touch-ups as you did in your first one. So um, when, what you do is you you do approximately anywhere from one to four or five in your first injection, and then you do that follow-up appointment um, about four to six weeks, and you try to get them to the point where they feel that, that that's where they want to be. And then after that, about six months to nine months later, they come back and you fill it up a little bit more. Um, and that is always going to be less than the original syringes. Because what happens is, is even if uh, you're using hyaluronic acid fillers, there is a, a response by the body to produce some amount of collagen uh, in response to the filler. So um, after a while, you can even extend some of the uh, touch-ups to a little bit longer even. However, if you're using um, some of the longer-term fillers like Bellafill, they say it's a five-year filler, but essentially it's forever. So um, all you do is account for aging. You're always going to age. So even if you're perfect uh, with a long-term filler, you're going to need more down the road because the jawline's going to recede a little bit. Your jowls are going to drop a little bit. Your skin's going to thin a little bit. So that you have to take account for those things. You know, we have a few minutes left to continue talking about, you know, jawline enhancement before we go into discussing some of your other use of fillers with um, acne scars and some other, other applications. Um, um, Dr. Weiner, is there anything, you know, that we haven't discussed that, we, you know, you really would like our listeners to, to know about in terms of the rejuvenation? Well, I... I don't want to pretend that um, the only way or the only treatment for sagging jawlines is filler. Um, In fact, uh, some people need combinations of therapies. And one of our real uh, popular therapies is something called Genius, which is a radiofrequency microneedling device. And that's going to address the skin tightening issues that aren't addressed with just filler. Sometimes Kybella is used, which is a fat-melting injection, particularly in the submental, in under in the double chin area. And more people are extending it into the jowls and jawline. There's one newer radiofrequency device uh, called FaceTight and recently AccuTight which is a little more invasive than the other procedures mentioned. You have to numb up the uh, area uh, with what we call tumescent anesthesia. And then you take the radiofrequency probe, and it goes underneath the skin. And then there's a probe on top, and the energy travels between those two. And that tightens the skin even more so than anything that I've previously discussed. And then obviously, if uh, you want... uh, longer-term immediate results, you might want to opt for a neck lift or uh, a facelift in combination with the uh, neck lift. So it's just one option, but it's becoming a popular option because it has very little discomfort, downtime, and uh, patients uh, have results immediately. So, So in summary then, you know, as you had mentioned, you know, you can have for, for the millennials, perhaps a treatment, you know, it could be for just um, vanity reasons, you know, that they just want mm-hmm. that more definition in their jawline, whereas for the aging patient, I think it is definitely, it is, I mean, it's all vanity reasons, but it is more of a a need of increasing, you know, the hard tissue and the soft tissue. And then, and then let me ask you one last question. When, when you talk about the radio frequency and combining, you know, the different, you know, face tie or acutai or the genius or these other you know, different modalities. Um, 
when you uh, would would that treatment be something that you would do across the entire face, or would it be more specific for the jawline, as as you know the rejuvenation is kind of the the treatment that we are discussing here? Or how how does that work? Um, the uh, face tight is more um, useful or safe to be used actually in the lower face and upper neck area. Okay. The ac the Accutite is going to push the boundaries a little bit and be able to be used in areas where the face tight can't because it's a little smaller, more superficial. But um, um, the Genius device is often used throughout the face, uh, even on the forehead area, and uh, and as well as down to the clavicles, to the collarbones. So. Um, uh, and um, there are studies that show that radiofrequency does not affect the fillers uh, below the skin surface. Well, thank you. And doc, um, Dr. Weiner, you know, we are going to continue our show here, but um, for those those listeners that have just come in to listen to, you know, our next, next session, um, you know, this is Authentic Insider Radio. Um, I'm here with, with Dr. Stephen F. Weiner, from Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, and the clinic. Um, Dr. Weiner, would you just let our listeners know, for those that are interested in the rejuvenation technique, how they can get a hold of you, what is you know the best phone number, the best website? Um, if you wouldn't mind just doing that, would be great. Yeah, thank you, Angela. Um, our phone number is area code 850-622-1214. We're in Central Time, and we're in the Panhandle of Florida. The best website is theclinique.com, and Clinique is spelled C-L-I-N-I-Q-U-E. And uh, if you want to email us, it's info at theclinique.net. So there's a little difference there, .net for the email, .com for the website. Great, great. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And so, Oh, uh, you know what? You can also look up rejuvenation.com. And okay. And that will I was take you to. Say, a, yeah, a we're here with page. the rejuvenator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, uh, I was wondering if you'd have a website called the, you know, rejuvenation.com. So that's fantastic. Well, well, let's go into our next um, uh, kind of interview conversation here. Um, you know, you've mentioned obviously that you are, you know, the expert with with the fillers and the, the jawline has been something that you really have kind of taken as your, you know, significant level of expertise. Um, but, but I do know that you are helping patients in many other aspects, and many of which, you know, we there's just not enough time on the show to talk about everything. And so I'm really excited to talk about acne scars, um, because I, I do see that's something that is, is such a big need for many people across the board, and how you are now able to reduce acne scars with fillers and skin resurfacing. Is that correct? Yes, it's uh, actually uh, we probably have four or five different techniques that we address acne scars. Yep. Great. Well, you know, let's just start by by um, you know perhaps talking about you know one of those perhaps what is the most popular technique or the most needed technique that you are currently offering to address acne scars. So we started to get involved in something called RF microneedling, which is radiofrequency with microneedles. And the microneedles are insulated in the device I use, and only the tips are exposed. And what that causes is an energy to be delivered beneath the skin uh, and into the dermis, into the scars. And what happens then is that the body reacts to that coagulation and it causes a remodeling of the scars and a more uh, controlled uh, formation of collagen and elastin as well as hyaluronic acid and it greatly improves the scars. The benefits of using this type of device versus uh, a blade of lasers which was traditionally used is that it can be used in uh, all skin types. The problem with lasers is that they uh, damage the surface of the skin 
And that ends up causing an inflammatory process that sometimes in the darker skin types, um, Asian, Hispanic, uh, African-American, into darker pigmentation. And in fact, a lot of the patients I see uh, that have acne scarring are darker skin patients. So that kind of um, risk is actually significantly high. So the patients opt for the RF microneedling, which actually seems to give as good or even better results than the traditional ablative lasers would give. So I was, I loved uh, hearing about the technology about uh, six years ago, and I, I jumped on board and um, started to do some research for the company. Lutronic is the company that I mainly work with, and, and the initial device was called Infini. Now, um, after um, several years of research and testing, which I helped uh, do the FDA trials with, uh, they come out with a newer version called the Genius. So because I became so involved with this type of technology, uh, the acne scar um, clients started reading about it on um, acne.org as well as Real Self and my blogging, and they started coming to see me from all over the world. Uh, We had two from Canada uh, last week. We had a patient from Dubai uh, a little earlier. But not everyone uh, needs just the genius or the infinity RF microneedling. Um, There are Going back to uh, the basics, there are basically three different types of acne scarring. There you have the atrophic rolling scarring, you have the ice pick scarring, and you have the boxcar scarring. And then there's also hypertrophic scarring, which which is actually a different breed, but I deal mostly with the first three. In the ice pick scarring, um, by the way, the RF microneedling treats all of those skin, uh, types. The Ice pick scarring we treat uh, with something called TCA cross. And what that is, it's trichloroacetic acid. It's a chemical peel. And you use a, a toothpick because you want to place it precisely in the middle of these scars. These scars are the ones that are very deep and, uh, but not, and, and they look like little holes in the skin. And you place the toothpick into the TCA, and then you place it into the scar. And you cause a little bit of a chemical peel within the middle of this scar. And what happens over time is the body reacts by uh, creating collagen, and the depth of the scar and the diameter of the scar decrease. Um, For the atrophic rolling scars, those are the ones that are more wide-based, and often associated with volume loss because part of the pathophysiology, the, the uh, disease process of acne scars, is that you start to lose a little bit of fat in addition to the, uh, some volume uh, of the skin. So what happens is, is that you get this tethering effect sometimes where you have scar bands from the skin down to the subcutaneous fat or even the deep fat areas. So what what needs to be done is uh, several things. One is something called subcision. And subcision is when you break up the scar tissue from the deeper layers. And a recent study suggests that using a blunt tip cannula, which I use for the fillers, is going to give you the best results with the least downtime and least side effects. The traditional method has been something called a no-core needle, which is um, a needle that has a little widened end that's almost like a knife. However, a knife can cause uh, injury to blood vessels and nerves, and bruising is often a side effect. So I've been switching over to using the blunt cannulas, for the past couple of years, and it seems to have much happier patients. At that same time, I can inject filler for the patients that have volume loss. 
um, and the type of filler used depends on what the patient desires. Um, I will often use uh, something called Restylane Define, Restylane itself, or sometimes I use something called Bellafill. Bellafill is the only filler on the market that is actually FDA approved for acne scarring. And uh, it it is uh, going to give you a long-term results, uh, I would say forever, because the PMMA molecules within the Bellafill can't be degraded by the body, and it causes a collagen response. So often I will uh, do a skin test for Bellafill when a patient comes in initially because you do have to test uh, for allergies to the Bellafill because there's a collagen component, which is uh, bovine, which needs to be uh, tested for in patients uh, because there is a 5%, I'm sorry, a 0.05, so 1 in 200 chance of being allergic to this bovine collagen. But other people want to get it done real quick and with a reversible filler, and, and those, those patients I will use uh, Restylane products. Uh, and then the rolling, I'm sorry, the boxcar scars, they're the most difficult, and sometimes they need to have TCA in addition to the genius. Sometimes they need to have uh, excision, punch, punch excision, where you use a punch biopsy, and you excise the center of it and put a little stitch in, and then they have a smaller scar, which is later dealt with with lasers or infinity or genius. So it's a very complex process. All these patients almost routinely will get a genius because that's, that's good even for uh, anti-aging pro, uh, patients. And then when I'm done, um, we can either use uh, PRP, amniotic membrane products, uh, or nothing, or, or, or topical um, creams that contain growth factors. And then we put everyone under something called the Helite, which is a low-level laser light, and it's LED light, and it seems to soothe the healing, uh, expedite healing, soothe the skin, uh, decreases the redness associated with the procedure. And then they do it all over again in a month or so. And I usually recommend about three of these. You know what I what I really like to hear is because you know with with acne scars and and you know there are definitely various levels, um, <clears throat> various reasons. You know some can be acne scars that are just a complete, you know, completely all over the face and cheeks. Others could be just you know specific one one or two placements. Um, but it, it does seem that the 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 methods of treatment are far less severe than they were 10 or 15 years ago. Um, you know, and I, I think the redness is something that is obviously attributed with the, with the acne scars. And I do feel some of the treatments in the past seem to be quite aggressive and almost um, increase the redness. Whereas what you're saying now is you're really just able to, you know, not just fill and lift the, the pits in the scars, but also rejuvenate the tissue, soften the tissue, and reduce all of that inflammation. Um, I, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, you know, a lot of these patients have acne as well as acne scarring. So we, you have to deal with that as well. And before we can do uh, aggressive treatments for the acne scars, we have to get the acne under control. And we have a process here where we use almost exclusively lasers and topical skin therapy, including Retin-A and so forth, uh, but we use these vascular lasers. We have uh, we actually have three different lasers we use to control acne and the associated redness, as you alluded to. We have something called the XLV laser, which is a 532 laser, uh, millisecond laser, long pulse, they call it. And that actually attacks the acute acne, the pustules, and um, then we have uh, something called uh, the gold toning handpiece, and that's a 585 Q-switch laser. It's by Spectra uh, Neutronic. And we use that almost uh, a very low fluence, and that helps with improving uh, the redness associated. It actually helps improve the early acne uh, scars. 
and it helps kill the acne bacteria. And then we have one other laser, which is sort of our workhorse, which is called the Aerolase, uh, and it's a 1064 laser, and, but it's a microsecond laser, so it's very interesting. So as you get into the longer wavelengths, the deeper the laser can penetrate the skin. So it, it's great for the cystic acne. And it, uh, the microsecond uh, pulse duration seems to be ideal because it, it uh, doesn't cause as much tissue heating and um, it seems to be very well tolerated. And uh, so we use the combination of those three lasers often to control the acne and the redness associated with acne prior to getting aggressive with their acne scarring. How did you first kind of, you know, go from facial plastic surgery? And I understand how you said you laid down your scalpel and you really got into, you know, doing the fillers and you and you saw the whole future of, of, of you know, anti-aging in the fillers and injectables. So how did you kind of cross then into the acne scar um, resolution? How, you know, what was your first patient? It was very interesting. So I've been using lasers since I started residency in 88. Um, So I've been exposed to laser safety and what lasers can do for quite a long time. Um, But as far as acne scarring goes, I think that we really uh, improved our techniques once we started to use the RF microneedling. But prior to that, I was using... Uh, something called Fraxel, and the Fraxel 1550 laser was good but not great for these acne scarrings. And we were having to do several of these treatments to get the same results that we were getting with less treatments using the RF microneedling. So one of my patients uh, I always look back on um, was this young gentleman. He was in high school. And he was kind of depressed. He wore his hair over his eyes. And, you know, he just couldn't get excited about anything. He wouldn't look you straight in the eye because his acne and acne scarring was just so horrible. Um, So we said, we can help. And he was, he kept coming and 